0: The future of your organization depends on taking action. What I want to do today is I want to provide you three areas of focus. As you begin to lead meetings, this one pro tip will take your leadership to the next level. So stick around for that. What if I could help you lead a meeting that doesn't meander, that doesn't turn into a brainstorming session, that doesn't get off track, but instead moves your organization to the next level? A meeting that actually accomplishes the business of the organization, and you do this within the budgeted time and the budgeted energy that you and your team have allotted. You know, I was reflecting a few days ago on my calendar of the last 20 years. It's really surprising how many meetings you actually attend. And for myself, I'm typically leading the meeting. Which is something that's really unusual because the role of a leader in a meeting is a little bit different than that of someone who is attending the meeting, provide input. I discovered that I would led over 150 board meetings over the last 20 years, in addition to around a thousand team meetings, committee meetings, and other sorts of meetings that were to accomplish the business of an organization, of a business, or of a, a committee. You know, I think about the first time that I was called to lead a board meeting. I think it was around 30, and I had flown up from my home in Houston to Orlando. Now, I was informed a few weeks beforehand that the person that regularly chairs the meeting would not be in attendance and that I would have to fill in. And so I approached this meeting with a little bit of consternation, not really understanding what the full gravity of the situation would be. A little bit of a background on this board, there were about 40 board members, very, very capable people, and they govern work in about 53 countries. So this was a organization of influence, and I'm 30 years old, and all these individuals are much older and wiser than I am, frankly. As As the time approached, I determined that the biggest thing that I would be worried about would be surprises. And so I set out one by one to call all the committee chairmen on the phone or to meet with them in person over a video call and figure out what would be the action of their committee at the board meeting. Were there to be any surprises? Were there to be anything, any subjects, any business that could arise from that specific committee which could potentially cause conflict within the board as a whole? Because I, as the chairman, of that meeting did not want to be surprised. I did not want to be taken aback by a outraged board member or someone surprised, caught off guard. We want there to be no surprises at the board meeting. And so that's what I did the days before the board meeting. Now, one tip for those of you that lead these international, these larger boards, is always come in a day early. This is very, very important because it gives you a chance to meet with the CEO or the executive director of the organization to go over in person what their concerns might be, what sorts of objectives and advice they might need from the board. But it also gives you an opportunity to get the board together, to be able to build a little bit of additional community and additional relationships, especially for boards that are coming from all parts of the world or all parts of the country. And so this is what I turn into a habit, a long-standing habit would be that if I'm leading a international or nationwide board meeting, people coming from all over, people that don't typically see each other except maybe four times a year or three times a year for this board meeting, I always invite everyone to dinner the night before that I host. And I found that those dinners, which we don't accomplish any business there, those dinners became imperative for building relationships, for building trust, to building coalitions to accomplish the objectives of the organization. And so I did that this very first time. I invited everyone to dinner. I the night before, no agenda, no objectives, just get everyone together. And I found that that time together really eased the time together the next morning as the board meetings began. And so, if you can imagine me, little 30 year old Rick Walker, sitting down in my first board meeting, and if you remember those little, those big U shapes right you have 40 board members you have to fit them all in so it's one of those big giant u-shaped tables and here i am sitting at the front everyone else is 20 years or more older than i everyone else has gray hair i'm wearing my 199 joseph a bank suit probably a buy one get one free special that week and i think i'm looking sharp but there's everyone else wearing their three thousand dollar suits remember 20 years ago three thousand dollar suits were really something and so I look across the room, I'm seeing a lot of people that I have deep respect for, that their immense experience has got them to the room. They're all gray-haired, they're all experienced, they all have a lot of life wisdom. But what do I have to offer? These individuals have so much to offer. My job as the chairman was to get out of the way and be prepared for any surprises. And so what I want to do today is I want to provide you three areas of focus as you begin to lead meetings that... These three areas of focus will help you become the leader that gets business done. And so if you stick around also, I'll give you the one pro tip that if you're leading formal meetings, if you're leading board meetings, if you're leading conferences, this one pro tip will take your leadership to the next level. So stick around for that. The first agenda is the pre-meeting preparation is that you have to have an agenda and the agenda has to be widely circulated, commented upon, ratified, and then also voted on as the first action of business at any meeting, especially any formal meeting. And so one best practice that I appreciate getting from people that that are leading meeting with me in attendance is to create an agenda and circulate it at least a week beforehand and provide two or three or four days for comment and feedback and additions and so generally the way it happens is that the board leader will send out the agenda to the board but only after they've received the agendas from the individual committee chairs so the individual committee chairs will meet with their committees and it's best practice to have the chairman of the board sit as a ex-officio member of all the committees so they know what's happening and have these committees bring the action And the business reports to the chairman. The chairman adds them to the agenda and works in tandem with the secretary to be able to issue the agenda to the board, ideally a week beforehand, for comment. Now, the morning of the meeting, after you do a precursory welcome and greeting and greeting of your guests, the first action item on your agenda should be to approve the agenda. So you will generally approve the minutes of the prior meeting but then to approve the agenda for the day and ask for any amendments at that time there's a motion and a second and the motion carries then at that time you proceed through the agenda but oftentimes there will be a late minute addition that the vote generally is to move forward with that and to add that to the agenda and that's fine you just don't want to be surprised with the overall structure and so we have to also realize that the purpose of the agenda is to keep the business of the organization moving forward and so if you're like me you found yourself sitting in meetings under the leadership of others where the meetings just seem to, to drag on and on. They seem to meander. They seem to turn into brainstorming sessions. Business meetings are not brainstorming sessions. Brainstorming sessions are brainstorming sessions. And brainstorming should be best done at the committee level, not at the board level. And so one of the ways we have to think about this is how are we going to effectuate business with the meeting? And I mentioned earlier that the secretary would be the one in charge of disseminating the agenda to the board. Ideally, we can advance Likewise, you need a secretary at every single meeting. If it's a small meeting, generally, you the who's leading the meeting, sometimes you'll take notes. But you're recording really three or four major things. Number one is action items. You have to record the actions that are decided at the meeting to be done. Number two, next to the actions, you must have a person responsible. This person responsible should also be someone that can be held accountable for the work actually getting done. And number three, you need a due date. You need to know what's going to be done, who is responsible and accountable for doing it. And number three, when it would be done by. And the fourth thing that's optional is you want to know who will be notified once the project is done or if they have any complications. Who will be the circle of advisors to that person that's responsible and or accountable for that work? And sometimes the responsibility and the accountability are divided up. If you're not familiar with this division, I encourage you to look at a racing matrix or an R-A-C-I matrix. Google that. And it's very, very helpful. I'll try to do a video on that in the very near future. The second area of focus is you want to figure out how to divide and conquer. You can't handle everything at the board meeting level, at the general meeting level. Some things have to be deferred and delegated to committees. So generally, you want the board to set the vision, to set the mission, to figure out if we're operating within the scope of the core values, to figure out what the goals of the organization should be throughout the year, to also maintain the governance of the organization. Sometimes you'll have a governance committee to handle very sensitive matters, but overall, the general board is in charge of the governance of the organization. And anything else that's beyond that, that's not the mission or the vision or the core values of the organization. Those in general should be deferred over to the committees if you have a large enough board. And generally, you're going to want to have committees that are central to the areas of income, revenue, fundraising. So someone that's income-based. A committee that is operational-based, development-based, proactively engage to drive the organization forward on its mission. And then you also have someone that's generally responsible for finance, for accounting, for the audit, for instance, and that would be some sort of finance committee. And optionally, you can have a governance committee if you want to. So I found these these four committees, these help prepare the organization, and you let the decisions on those specific matters take place at the committee level. And then the committees meet before the board meeting and bring recommendations and bring motions to the board to be able to accomplish the work a lot more efficiently. And this helps move the business of the organization forward faster, more timely, It also gives the organization a better opportunity to have subject matter experts, right? You don't want someone who is an accounting that's focused on the finance of the organization making decisions about the operations or the governance of the committee of the organization, unless they're sitting on both those committees. And so we divide and conquer using board level decisions and committee level decisions. And of course, when it gets down to tactics, you want to defer that to the chief executive team of the organization and let them decide how they will effectuate the objectives of the organization and the day-to-day operations of the organization or the business. So the next question, this is the third area of focus, is you as the leader, you as the person that leads the organization's meetings, what is your role? What is the role of the chairman? What is the role of the chair of the committee? What is the role of the, the presider or the president of the meeting? This is something that I first looked up right before I led that first board meeting, and I realized that the role of the chairman, the role of the chair, is not to be the most outspoken person. Oftentimes it's to be the, the quietest person. The role is to maintain the decorum and the rules and the timeline of the organization throughout the meeting. The second thing that the chairman does is the chairman delegates certain parts of the agenda to the chairs of those committees to present the reports, to present their recommendations. And then the chairman takes back the floor to be able to hold the votes for the recommendations of the various committees. The committee chairman, this is one common mistake you'll see, is the committee chairman trying to make a motion and also vote on the on motion, No, that seats back to the chairman according to the the most widely recognized standard, which is Robert's Rules of Order. So the chairman conducts the voting sessions and then would hand back the floor to the chairman to continue their business. And so one of the things that we have to do also is figure out who are the plant speakers who are not the plant speakers. People will often invite guests without the chairman's permission to meetings. Generally, I like to let that slide once, maybe twice, but I like to have a side conversation afterwards with the person who invited the guests about the proper quorum for inviting a guest because often guests are there for something unique. Sometimes they're observers, but the person that invites them may not know whether or not there will be sensitive material discussed. And so it's always good practice to notify the chair of the meeting who you'd like to invite and ask for their blessing to invite that person. And so one of the various things also is to administer the voting from the chairs and also seek clarification on motions, right? You want to have very specifically worded motions that are voted on. And so it's the obligation of the chair to demand clarity of the motion. What exactly are we voting on? And so oftentimes you'll find a very competent chairman. this is something that I started doing after a few years is really repeating the motion word by word over and over again on the motion, the second, the conversation, and then the final vote. Those are four different phases where you may repeat the entirety of the motion. And it's helpful for everyone to hear that because sometimes there's someone that hears something that interprets the motion a different way that it causes the reformulation of the motion to help the organization be more clear, be more specific. And so you want clarity as an organization. You don't want any ambiguity in your motions. Remember, I told you if you stuck around that after the three focus areas, the three focus areas of the pre-meeting, creating the agenda and having the pre-meetings. Number two, dividing and conquer with chairmen and chairs, working with the board and the committee levels. And number three, defining the role of the chair. Remember I told you that if you focus on these three items, you'll be able to move the business of the organization forward, but that there was one thing stick around for. And here's the one master tip. If you're like me, I was afraid that I would get called out on by the senior leaders on the board for missing a point of decorum or not doing something in the right steps or being uncertain on how the business was to be run be managed as a chairman. And I was very, very conscious of this. But I saw something in the bylaws of the organization that said that the meetings should be run and the committees and the chairman and the positions and the officers should be managed according to Robert's Rules of Order, the latest revision. This is one thing that I found extremely helpful. And so my pro tip for you is to become extremely familiar with this book. You notice all the tabs, all the markings here. I've got markups all in this here from different ways to run committees, appoint committees, handle objections, handle other issues that could come up in a meeting, and become very, very familiar with this. But my pro tip for you is to bring this to the meeting. Have it sitting either in your briefcase or on the table, ready to go. And remember I told you to ask the committee chair people about what are the potential problems, what the potential Arguments or disagreements that could arise in the meeting might be place little markers where those could come up, so you can flip there and read directly out of Roberts Rules to be able to handle this. And a lot of times, even in my board of 40, I did not have a parliamentarian. That the chairman and generally the vice chairman will serve as as parliamentarians to clarify the rules of the organization. This book will revolutionize how you lead meetings. It gives you the strength. You can always pause to reference it during a meeting, and that is certainly a best practice. And so, what is the what's a so what? Part of our time together today as I'm helping you to lead a meeting, perhaps for your very first time, perhaps you're younger, you're in your 20s or 30s or early 40s, you've never really led a big time meeting before. Preparation lends itself to competency, plus your ability to communicate to take your time, to allow silence, to allow strength, to pervade the air of the meeting. But if you do these two things, you'll become even more confident in your ability to lead and to motivate and to move forward the work of your organization as you take it from where it is today towards it's a vision and its mission has it ending tomorrow. But you must be prepared. These three focus areas are critical. Prepare before the meeting, divide and conquer, and also understand the role of the chairperson of the meeting. The future of your organization depends on taking in action and action happens within meetings